Are you ready for the end of the world? It's snowy outside. That means the end of the world is nigh. Yes. Or at least the warmth is. You are listening to Your Community Spirit with Ord Energy Mon. Entry song. And we are live and local (laughs) in your ear with news of things that are happening. Yes. First, we'll talk about things that have happened, and then we will talk about things that will happen because we are the happening guys. Yes, and things things that will happen, things that must happen. All right. <laughs> Do we really want to talk about a gas leak again? <laughs> yeah. In this case, it's there is actual news about it this time. Gas leak at Porter Ranch Well is stopped, at least temporarily. Southern Gas Company announced Thursday that it has temporarily controlled the flow of gas from their well (laughs) near Porter Ranch, a critical, crucial first step in the effort to stop the leak that has forced thousands to flee their homes. The gas company said that a relief well reached the base of the leaking well, and the officials are now pumping, quote, heavy fluids to temporarily control the flow of gas out of the leaking well, unquote. So this is um, like reverse fracking? Yeah, I guess they're pumping in some more heavy fluids to slow down the other fluids. That could keep the leak plugged permanently, but officials emphasize that this was a first step and the cement must now be poured in to fully block the leak. That could take several days. Well, several days is not too bad after several months of (laughs) gas leaking. So state regulators will eventually conduct inspections. And pressure tests to certify that after nearly four months of environmental contamination, civil disruption, and worry, Alisco Canyon Natural, Natural, <laughs> Natural Storage Facilities Standard Session Well 25 has been plugged. <laughs> Now, Thursday's development was, after four months, a cause for celebration, although there is still a lot of work ahead, said Paula Crancian, president of the Porter Ranch Neighborhood Council. Yeah, I'm glad. That's like a neighborhood group, right? Yeah, I'm glad the neighborhood council was able to last four months without (laughs) actually having a neighborhood. (laughs) Um, she, She says, it changes from controlling the crisis to now navigating recovery. Homeowners have been injured. Property values have been injured. There's going to be a version of PTSD <laughs> as they get a whiff of any order in their home. <laughs> That's true. Like, if you, like, live near the uh, – yeah, anytime you, like, smell anything, you'll be like, is the gas leaking again? Is, is it am I going to die again? Is it starting? Is this just, like, a whiff I caught from my stove or are we all going to die now? Once the leak is stopped – Residents who have temporarily relocated to lease houses and hotel rooms will have seven nights to move back into the residence in accordance with terms of a recent agreement between the gas company and the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office. Wait a second. So these people, four months of gas leaking, and they've moved somewhere else, in some cases probably, you know, to families in, you know, somewhere else, they have seven days to move back in. Yeah. <laughs> now, Representative Brand Brad Sherman, 
um, Democrat of from Porter Ranch. Yeah, so that's why he's interested <laughs> in this like, one. Yeah, um, said Wednesday he wants to delay the start of the seven day clock until another step is taken. Sherman wants the California Air Resources Board to certify that the air surrounding the Liso Canyon field is free of natural gas. Yeah. So that that seems to make a certain sense, you know. Check to be sure the gas is actually gone before you send everyone. So back yeah, home. I mean, it might have stopped leaking, but it could still be like lingering everywhere. Yeah, you know. So over the past three months, the well has spewed more greenhouse gases than any other facility in California. The release of so much methane, a greenhouse gas several times more powerful than carbon dioxide, will contribute significantly to global warming. Experts say. Odorants that are commonly added to gas to aid in the detection of leak have promoted hundreds of complaints of nausea, respiratory problems, and nosebleeds, and have displaced residents from only, you know, like 4,400 homes Hmm. in Porter Ranch and its surrounding communities in the foothills of the northern San Fernando Valley. Hmm. So I like like how uh, the, the gas company, you know... Took four months to plug it up, but then they're like, "You have to be back in your home in seven days, or we're not going to give you any money." Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't specifically say what's going to happen if you're not back in seven days. Yeah, but they're trying to drive them home as soon as possible, <laughs> just to get it out of their hair. Well, it's good that they got plugged, but I'm glad that they are also mentioning the long-term consequences. Well, you are... obviously you just like they got it plugged. I mean, no, it's like a temporarily. It's an oils patch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like if you it's it just says thick liquid. Yeah. So I mean, you know, gas can still bubble up through thick liquid. Yeah, like big farts. <laughs> just like a, <laughs> So hopefully they will get that concrete in there and make it a permanent patch. And hopefully they will actually do something about the long-term consequences. Although it's you can't undo the global warming effects, but maybe they can try to offset it with planting some trees or something. Well, I mean, maybe they can get fined and then the money goes into a fund to, you know, put solar on that whole community. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I like that idea. So in in other news, this one is about science. Blinded you with climate unlikely science. (laughs) Yes, doesn't quite fit in the beat. But yeah, the majority of science teachers are teaching climate change, but not always correctly. Most public middle and high school science teachers in the United States are devoting two hours or less per course to the topic of climate change, and they are often getting the facts wrong, according to a new study published on Thursday in the journal Science. In the journal Science? Yeah, so science does know a bit about science. While three out of four teachers are teaching the issue... Okay, wait a second. That means 25% of them aren't teaching it at all. Yeah. 25% are saying nothing about the topic. And the ones that are are doing only two hours a semester. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I I just clarify that. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that part. So only half of those instructors who are teaching it are correctly explaining that humans are driving climate change. So in my mind, if they're not explaining that part, they're not actually teaching it at all. They're teaching, (laughs) you know... Pseudoscience, if they're not actually explaining that humans are the ones driving the change. What is causing it, right? Yeah. An even smaller number of the teachers are aware of how overwhelming the scientific consensus on the issue is. These findings appear in a landmark study that involved a comprehensive national survey of public school science teachers for the first time. It asked if and how they are talking to students about climate change. 
The results come as at least 16 states are adopting the new science curriculum, the Next Generation Science Standards, that tackle climate change more directly and in greater depth. Now, blam, Illinois, <laughs> blam, got it covered. Illinois is one of those states. Really? Yeah. All right. So the study was conducted by researchers from Penn State University, Wright University in Ohio, and the California-based nonprofit National Center for Science Education. They concluded that teachers aren't getting enough training on climate science, and they are being influenced by the politicization—excuse <laughs> me—politicization of the subject outside of school. So basically, they are learning about climate change, yeah, not from science, but from politicians. From politicians, yeah, and it's also a concern too for some of these instructors if they personally know all the facts, but then they know administrators or parents might be resistance. Then that might affect their what they teach too. So they consider it controversial. Therefore, they won't teach the actual true science. Yeah, or they'll teach it in a very understated manner. Like I'll technically say a little bit of this, and then we'll get on to something else. So it is a big issue in science education. Here's a quote: "The fact that 75% of the teachers are covering this issue at all shows teachers are interested in the topic and they find it important." Lead author Eric Plutzer told Inside Climate News. Many of them personally believe the burning of fossil fuels is causing warming, but are not aware that that view is shared by climate scientists. That lack of awareness surely contributes to the willingness to entertain alternatives and non-scientific views in their classrooms. So yeah, I mean that's if they're not confident in the scientific consensus, then they might not teach it as strongly. So basically, here it's saying, you know, they they personally believe something, but they don't know that it's actually. A scientific consensus. Yeah, I mean, it's like there are a lot of other th- areas of research that aren't as settled. Where you're like, yeah, what I've read so far seems like it's convincing, but maybe there are other perspectives. When really, if you look at climate science, it's overwhelmingly in favor of the idea that humans are the ones driving the change. Unless you're in Australia. <laughs> Unless、no. you're in Australia. Nearly three thousand climate scientists condemn Australia's dramatic research cuts. The news that Australia's federal science agency plans to con- c- cut as many as 350 jobs. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, like there's got to be a joker in there somewhere. It's like because <laughs> it's like 350 parts per million, is, like 350.org. Basically, yeah, 350 parts per million is what the, the scientists have said. We need to keep the pollution in the air to make it so we can survive. Yeah, and we're already over 400.、And、yeah, so all right. Back to this <laughs> is being met with worldwide condemnation from this climate science community. The cuts, which are planned for the country's Commonwealth Science and Industrial Research Association, well, they're cutting the industrial research too. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> are based on the organization's new director's reasoning that climate change is proven and needs fewer research dollars and assets going forward. <laughs> That's kind of it's kind of a ridiculous argument. No, I mean I like it. He's like it's proven, therefore we don't need to prove it more. It's not like we have to research how to like stop it. Yeah, you know, or you know, make things better. It's proven. We're done. It's like we we know that you know、um, polio kills people. Let's quit researching it. You know, we know that cancer kills people. Let's quit researching it. <laughs> yeah, right. Those that, are good.、Uh, that's yeah, basically、yeah. the argument he's making. Yeah. He's like, you know, we know it's there. Let's quit researching it. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, the latest expression of alarm comes in the form of a letter to the Australian government from at least 2,800 climate scientists from around the world, which is scheduled to be sent by Thursday morning. Scientists say that the cuts go through, it's going to be impossible for Australia, which is a highly vulnerable to climate change-related impacts, such as brush fires and drought, to anticipate and adapt to a changing climate. Yeah. So, okay, we know, you know, we know climate change, but, you know, we don't care to, like, plan for any problems. Yeah, and I just noticed, too, this article doesn't mention it, but Australia is a leader in Southern Hemisphere research of climate change. Like, they're, one of the, they're pretty much the leading center for researching all of the Southern Hemisphere's effects on global warming. So if you cut the major funding to them, the whole world loses out on its understanding of global well, warming. Well, only the bottom half. <laughs> only the bottom half. Surely if we only study half of the world, we'll get a clear understanding. <laughs> I don't think that quite works. So in other news, Supreme Court halts clean power plan with implications far beyond the U.S. Perfect. We're doing the same thing here in the U.S. Yeah, they're, they're cutting back the science and we're cutting back the action on climate change. So- <laughs> we got it covered. <laughs> Supreme Court put on hold the linchpin of President Obama's climate policy, barring the Environmental Protection Agency on Tuesday from carrying out the administration's new clean power plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from electric power plants. Okay, wait a second. Isn't the Environmental Protection Agency's job <laughs> to regulate pollution? Yeah, I thought it was their job. <laughs> Why does the Supreme Court have any say in this at all? Well, they're the highest court in the land. <laughs> I mean, it's I I understand why they have a say, but I don't understand why they are using their voices to shut down action on climate change. I mean, it was a surprising decision of staggering proportions with repercussions that go far beyond the U.S. electrical grid, threatening the credibility of the Paris Agreement on climate change reached by the world's nations in December. The clean power plan designed to reduce by nearly a third emissions from fossil fuel burning electric plants is the central element of the pledge by the United States to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by at least 26% by 2025. Yeah, now this was an unusual intervention by the Supreme Court, given that a powerful appeals court had just weeks ago turned down a request by dozens of states and their allies in the fossil fuel industry to impose a stay on the new federal regulation. I think we might have talked about that on the air. You know, the, the appeals courts turned down the request to delay all of this, but now the Supreme Court has said, okay, let's delay it. So by blocking enforcement of the rule, the justices sent a signal that conservatives on the court may be inclined to limit the agency's powers under the Clean Air Act. The Supreme Court found in its 2007 decision, Massachusetts versus EPA, that the statute allows controls on carbon dioxide emissions that cause global warming. It would have taken years for the Clean Power Plan to take full effect, but the first step would have been for states to file implementation plans starting in September. Planning was well underway for that. About half the states had joined in appealing the rule. Wait a second. So half of the states are saying they wanted to appeal the rule. And some of them declared that they would have refused to file state plans. So they were saying they were going to break the law, you know. So I wonder if that influenced the Supreme Court. Like, well, half the states are going to break the law anyway. We don't want to. <laughs> Just like, we don't care. <laughs> yeah. We don't care. What do you call it? 
you're going to be uh, break the law. So let's just make it so that it's not illegal. Yeah. I wonder how, I mean, it's interesting to see all of these states saying they're going to defy federal environmental laws because I, I, you know, if I declared that I was going to break federal laws, I would get in trouble. But if the states do it, well, it becomes a complex political issue. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, yeah, it's illegal for us to do things, but not, you know. (laughs) What happens when an NA, NAACP leader becomes a climate activist? Some really cool stuff. Kathy Eglin was one of the first black students to desegregate her high school in Hattiesburg, Mississippi in 1967. As a child and young adult, she marched for the right to vote and against segregated buses and drinking fountains. Now, she's fighting for the right to a clean, safe environment, serving as a chair of the NAACP National Board's Committee on Environmental and Climate Justice. I like how they're starting to link the two together. Yeah. You know, that uh, social justice is also environmental and climate justice. Yeah, they are connected. She has a long history of concern for environmental justice. Growing up in the shadow of a chemical plant, she and her family suffered from the unbearable smell and also asthma, headaches, and nosebleeds. As an adult, she moved to Gulfport, Mississippi, where she again faced environmental hazards, this time from a toxic-spewing coal-fired power plant. Thanks to activism by her and others and a path-breaking partnership between the NAACP and the Sierra Club, that plant stopped burning coal in April 2015. But if you would like to find out more but turned her into an environmental justice activist, that was Hurricane Katrina, she explains in an interview that we do have a complete link to the interview. If you would like to receive our newsletter, we can send it to you and you can get links to all the stuff we've been talking about. Well, not the cool things we ad lib. <laughs> yeah, but all the actual facts in the articles. <laughs> oh, well, just like <laughs> just the facts, ma'am. Just like so. I really like that because she is drawing the connection between the two. And she's most of the people I've. Uh, you know, encountered directly are, are coming at it from the other direction. They start in environmental work and then they realize the justice implications and work in that direction. But she started out working, you know, with the NAACP and working to fight for civil rights and then realize the environmental implications. So it's good for people like that to work together, building bridges. She realized that the rich people are trying to kill the poor people. Yeah. Not really. They're just trying to shuffle the money over. You know, the cost, you know, basically they make profit and they do that on the backs of people who can't fight them. Yeah. Nobody wants a power plant in their backyard. Yeah. And the people who can't stop it are the disempowered in the system. And that tends to be, you know, low income people, people of color, anyone who is not included in the political process, they end up getting stuck with the pollution. So you're saying politics is dirty? <laughs> politics is dirty. Oh. That's a good way to put it. Going back, did you know that today is Abraham Lincoln's birthday? I noticed that. We should get him some plum pudding because today's plum pudding day. Yeah, maybe that was his favorite pudding. Also coming up on Saturday is Get a Different Name Day. Now that's something I've done already. <laughs> I've already got a different name. That name is Tree Song. Mine's the Energy Mon. So we already both have different names. So should we get a different name for that day? Yeah, maybe a different, different name. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, 
But I'm going to be at a conference. I don't think that would work to tell people my name is different from what I am. Yeah. Well, you just maybe for the whole conference, you could have this alternate identity. <laughs> just like... So coming up on Sunday, National Organ Donor Day. That's very important. People save lives by donating organs. It's Valentine's Day. Give your heart to somebody else day. Yeah. Literally give your heart to somebody else by being an <laughs> yeah, organ donor. Just like... Will you be my Valentine? A beating heart in your hand. So... Yeah, President's Day is coming up to uh, Singles Awareness Day is coming up. So on Valentine's Day, there are singles who may not be celebrating or celebrating differently. On Tuesday, it's Do a Grouch a Favor Day. And Wednesday is Random Acts of Kindness Day. So, And Thursday is National Battery Day. So all people working on batteries to store clean energy. That's their day. Saturday, in Happenings, the Carbondale Community Farmer's Market. Lots of greens this time of the year. I love it. Hmm. Saturdays from 9 until noon at the Carbondale Community High School. So this was traditionally the winter farmer's market, but now it's the Carbondale Community Farmer's Market. Saturdays, 9 till noon at the Carbondale Community High School. Yeah, and spring is coming up, so each time you go, there'll be even more exciting stuff going on there. <clears throat> also coming up this weekend, we have a nightingale for uh, Du Bois. It's at the Saturday and Sunday this weekend, Saturday at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday at 2.30 p.m. at the Christian H. Mo Theater at the SIU campus. This is a free event. The Africana Theater Laboratory is presenting a stage reading of a new play, A Nightingale for Du Bois, by Femi Osofian. And this is part of Black History Month, I'm sure. Black History Month, every Sunday of February at the Science Center, they're excited to announce that it is teaming up with the National Society of Black Engineers, the SIUC chapter, and the African American Museum of Southern Illinois to celebrate Black History Month. With the help of these organizations, the Science Center will host a special program every Sunday in February recognizing the life and work of a different notable black scientist. The program will include a presentation and biography about the featured scientist, followed by a hands-on activity related to that scientist's field of study. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So That sounds like fun. I like science and I like Black History Month. It's always interesting to learn wherever inventions come from, but then especially when you learn these stories they have to share. So, so that's every Sunday from noon and 3 at the Science Center which is located inside the University Mall. For more information, 529-5431 or yoursciencecenter.org. You think you can remember that? Mm -hmm. It's your science center. Yoursciencecenter.org. So also coming up, we have the Flyover Gardens Open House. This is coming up on Monday at 6 p.m. at the Flyover Info Shop. This is an opportunity to learn about their garden plan and upcoming workshops. And it's 214 North Washington. It's actually just down the block from WDBX here. Can you dig this? Monday at Showplace 8 in the University Mall, Monday at 730. Can you dig this follows the inspirational journeys of four unlikely gardeners discovering what happens when they put their hands in the soil. This is not a story of science and economics. This is a story of the human spirit. Inspiring, inspiring people everywhere to pick up their shovels and plant. 
So. Yeah, sounds good. And also coming up, we have, I've started going to this. It's the Continuing the Conversation series. It's on Tuesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. The first one was over at the Boys and Girls Club, but they decided to relocate it to the African American Museum at University Mall. So it's on Tuesdays, the upcoming Tuesdays, the 16th, 23rd, then March 8th, 1st, 8th, and 15th. So over the course of these weekly meetings, we are continuing the conversation started at the Racial Taboo film showing. These meetings are open to everyone. It's fine if you miss the Racial Taboo showing. It's just a discussion about race in Carbondale and in America. So new and returning people are welcome. It's 7 p.m., and it starts with a 50-minute episode of the show, The African Americans, Many Rivers to Cross. And it's a really powerful show. We just watched the first episode, and it's all about the history of African American life. And, uh, you know, it's going, as the series goes on, it's getting more into present-day implications. And then you have an interesting discussion with all the people who showed up. So, yeah, African American Museum on Tuesdays at University Mall. And just a reminder, this snow's not going to be around very long. So tap into your inner kid and play in it because it's still beautiful. It's still fun. It's still nice. And it's not that cold. But that's only because I've been working outside all week. So today is not so cold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like all you poor schmucks who've been sitting on your desk all week. It's probably cold for you. Yeah. Probably but I think it's there. warm. <laughs> I didn't even put on a windbreaker to when I went outside today. <laughs> yeah. So. So do you want to talk about WDBX Friends as well? I like Friends. <laughs> yes. You can be a friend of WDBX. Or you could be our friend, but probably DBX is better. Yes. It's the Spring Friendship Drive. You can give $20 during the Spring, spring Friendship Drive. And if you give this $20, I guarantee spring will come. Yes. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> uh, that's our very scientific guarantee that, you know. It's one of those, well, it's like, it's like cause and effect, like making false assumptions about them. We can guarantee that if you give this money and wait a few weeks, a month or two, spring will be here. <laughs> like eventually. <laughs> yeah. And, and the best part is the more people who are friends with us, the more we will be friends with you. That means we'll stick around. Yeah. Keep doing things. Yeah. It's celebrating 20 years on the air. And 20 years? Yeah. Isn't that Our amazing? Our show's been on like... 16? 16, 17, yeah. I don't know. 99, started in 99. Yeah. August of 99, I think. So it's approaching 17 years on the air. So we've been here for most of WDBX's history. So the program basically is because it's 20 years, we ask people to give $20 to keep us on the air. And the best part is you can brag about it yourself because you're going to send with your $20, you're going to send in a selfie. And it's going to go up on the wall. And that wall will say, I am a friend of DBX. Yes. Not only on the wall on our social media, but also on the wall in the station. Yes. So you can come and visit yourself <laughs> you at can, the station. Yeah, you can visit yourself and your favorite DJ will see that and know that you are their friend. It's a great way to show your friendship on the 20th anniversary and right around Valentine's Day, too. It's a great time to show friendship. So. Thank you for being our friend and Thank liking you. us. Thank you for being a friend. Do, no. do, do, do. <laughs> All right. So give us a call, 618-457-3691. You can also be a friend online at wdbx.org. Either way, it all goes the same place. So show your friendship today. 
Thank you. All right, I think that's it. Do we have any other happenings, or is we actually out of here on time? <laughs> no, I want to go play in the snow. Yeah, well, we get to go play in the snow. That's why we ended on time. <laughs> All right. All right, we will see you next week on the radio.